Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. And we're back <laughs> at Reformed Podmatics. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Um, I'm Pastor Mark. And I'm Pastor Zach. <laughs> and we, we've taken a couple weeks off. Zach has uh, crossed the pond over to England and uh, is now back. And so, um, how was the trip, Zach? Why don't you tell all our listeners the, yeah, about the time you Yeah, it was a there. wonderful time. My wife and I went for about a week. Um, that includes the travel time uh, to London for a few nights and then to Oxford. And we essentially just saw all the sights and tasted all the food and <laughs> went to lots of churches and different, uh, uh, you could say, religious sites, I guess. Uh, um, for me, walking around Oxford is a religious experience mm-hmm. all on its own. So uh, even without the churches, but we did go to some churches there as well. We saw C.S. Lewis's home and his church and his grave, which was one of the highlights for me personally. Uh, but yeah, it was a great time. We, I love England. My wife now loves England <laughs> as well, uh, having seen it. So it's yeah, it's, it was great. I'm feeling inspired and refreshed now that I'm back and I'm ready to finish out the semester. Yeah, we are... Moving pretty close to Easter, actually, right yes, now. It's are. amazing how much, how quickly 2023 is moving by. So in today's episode, we will be discussing a topic that was requested by one of our listeners. We got a really nice email from somebody who listens to the podcast who we have never met in person before, but reached out. Um, this is a student from the University of Notre Dame, and uh, she was looking for some Reformed resources to edify her faith and reached out to us to let us know that she'd been listening to Reformed Podmatics because of finding it on Spotify. And so we're so thankful that she took that time to to email us, to let us know that she's listening and encouraged by the material that we're producing. And along with that, she asked for a, a few um, topics that we might cover here on Reform Podmatics. And so today we'll be discussing this matter of, of bad language, of, of cursing or swearing. Um, we don't want to read too much into the reason for why somebody would request that. I would guess that somebody on a university campus would hear probably a good amount of uh, foul language, even in uh, a Christian university, that this is something that, that would happen on occasion. And so um, we're going to be discussing today this matter of how we use our words. And uh, maybe even before we get into the topic itself, we do want to say we're so encouraged when people reach out and uh, do some of the work for us by requesting a topic. Uh, we do end up spending a lot of time wondering how we can um, we can best um, connect with our listeners. And one way that that can happen is if people would suggest topics for us to uh, to cover. We've gotten lots of suggestions uh, from people over time, and, and so we're, we're so glad to take this opportunity to answer one of those questions in today's episode. I'll just say one thing, too, to add to that. It's really cool that we, we get these emails occasionally. They don't happen all that often, yeah. uh, and we really appreciate not only hearing them, they are encouraging, but we love to receive uh, suggestions for mm-hmm. episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something we spend a lot of time just spitballing in early in the week whenever we, we, we first visit with each other at the beginning of the week. Mark and I will talk about which episodes or what topics we want to maybe talk about for mm-hmm. the episodes, and sometimes we struggle to come up with content. And so, yeah, we we love to get these emails. You do some of the work for us <laughs> in, yeah. in that way. Yeah. If you send us uh, suggestions or questions that you have and you would love to hear us to talk about, and that's exactly what we are doing today and yeah. talking about uh, foul language. Right. And so, um, and, you know, I would guess with this suggestion coming from uh, somebody who is on a college campus, uh, of course, that is a place where you hear mm. a, a good amount of, of cursing, swearing, even foul at language, Notre Dame, I would imagine, perhaps <laughs> even at a uh, school as, as vaunted and, and spiritually significant as Notre Dame. But um, um, yes, it happens there. I would guess it happens 
probably in much larger numbers at, at public universities and so forth, um, that that's just how a lot of people talk, including how a lot of Christians talk when they're around their friends. And so, um, so we're going to be talking about what the Bible says about the words that we use and um, and how the Christian can can be set apart from the world in this way and and we do we want to do so not just with the intention of laying down the law but with the intention of asking why is it important that a Christian uses words to build up and not to tear down uh, why is it so important to God um, concerning the words that we say in fact um, that's a, a main theme in the Old and New Testaments and we can think of the prophet Isaiah woe to me I'm a man of unclean lips um, and uh, God's healing of Isaiah that happens is to touch his mouth with a hot coal, essentially to to cauterize <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Isaiah's mouth that yeah. he would uh, that he would endure some pain, um, and, mm. and and not just as punishment, but to to recognize the pain that he could cause through the words that he says if they're untrue and unhelpful. So, mm. um, so thinking of some scenarios where you're probably going to enter and hear some foul language of some the first one that came to my mind is in the sports world and so <laughs> coaches being very famous for yeah. um expletive laced tirades um whether that's in post-game interviews or um as you can read lips as you're watching the super bowl <laughs> or, or march madness or something along those lines and just mm-hmm. being well aware that um many coaches Unfortunately, a lot of even Christian coaches and in Christian schools, I've heard, um, hmm. have this sense that to swear is to get people motivated. Um, now, that's been absolutely debunked through coaches like Tony Dungy and, and so forth, who are great Christian men and who can motivate with um, inspiring people towards greatness and not needing hmm. to insult or, or use foul language in order to do that. So yeah. that's one scenario where... Uh, maybe if people who are listening have kids who are involved in sports and this mm. is going to be something that increases through high school and, and especially through college. Yeah. I um, learned some early bad words through yep. my little league baseball coach. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're and, absolutely right. And, and the part of the reason we even bring that up right away is for some reason they get a pass in our culture. Hmm. And of course th- there's no biblical um, support for, for behavior like that. Yeah. Um, and so Christians don't need to give that a pass um, if they see that happening, or especially if they're coaching Little League and, and, and using foul language around children. I mean, thinking of mm-hmm. that is especially bad scenario. Um, another one that came right to my mind was in the world of comedy, that hmm. um, it is, uh, it's, it's hard to find funny comedians who don't, who don't swear. Uh, Nate Bergatze is one who comes to my mind who has an absolutely hilarious um, new special on Amazon Prime, I think, right now that Pam and I watched and really, really enjoyed. He's a Christian comedian. Hmm. And um, some of the other ones, Jerry Seinfeld doesn't really engage in, in much of that. Jim Gaffigan would be a good comedian yeah. who, who is clean as well. But my goodness, the, 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 there's yeah, a short the list majority. there, and then there's a long list of the bad ones. And so um, <laughs> should a Christian not just watch their speech, but consume material that is really full of expletives thinking of joe rogan and bill burr and um lots of uh, very popular comedians um even watching bill maher's show which you know yeah. occasionally comes up in my youtube algorithm um how yeah. do we navigate through that or just in the business world and in social gatherings there is this um this assumption that to use foul language is to seem powerful and to seem impressive mm. or to be funnier than you would otherwise be without um by by speaking you know in in cleaner ways so any thoughts come to mind as we list through no, those scenarios those are absolutely places where cussing does get used uh, there's 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 so many different contexts and places where where it's used uh and yeah, it's it's very prevalent. It's it's all about. I think more and more it's becoming more, uh, common, even in places where historically it was sort of taboo or forbidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, like on the news, I'm I'm I, I get the sense that cussing is more acceptable. Uh, I think there's still uh, some sort of laws about. Uh, expletives being being used and being bleeped out, but but then on YouTube, there's no. 
no yeah, rules basically it's yeah, the wild west there it is, but, you know. it is. it's totally yeah. it's out and about and yeah so it's it's something that often gets asked you know as a youth pastor i get mm-hmm. asked mm-hmm. this every once in a while uh by students uh is it okay to cuss uh and it's i think it's just because this is really out in the ether more more than ever mm-hmm. um we, we are living in a increasingly vulgar society, I think, that is far more comfortable with vulgarity than uh, we were, at least in recent history, yeah. uh, if not in, in further history beyond that. As yeah, well, well and, and it, I think it, a lot of it has to do not just with your spiritual life, but with manners. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. um, there, there was a time when manners were, were pretty well set, in um, in American culture, and and this isn't just say in white culture, but um, black culture, Latino culture, Asian culture, white culture, and then and of course how American culture is very much an amalgamation of various yeah. cultures. Um, there certainly was a, a a proper way of speaking out in public, mm-hmm. at a restaurant, for example, to to hear somebody swearing at a restaurant at a table nearby you. There was a time I, I can remember when I was a child where that would have been frowned upon. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think a lot of this actually started to change through the sports world, where people would say things mm-hmm. like, I paid my $50 to get into the stadium, and so I'm going to say whatever I want. Yeah. And and I once had a Cubs game ruined by the experience of <laughs> some dudes behind us who were extremely drunk, and we were in box seats right behind the dugout, and these guys just would not let up swearing the entire yeah. game. and And so that has permeated through all other areas of life so that in uh, the classroom Hmm. um, again hopefully not at a Christian school but in in a public school classroom um, in the hallways of a school on a sports field um, even with children present the manners or the expectations of proper behavior in public has pretty much disintegrated and so it's just going to be like you said a vulgar um, approach to how we communicate yeah, I once heard it said that any vulgarity is anything that you wouldn't say around your mother. <laughs> and I think more and more people are feeling comfortable yep. uh, even around their parents yep. uh, using vulgarity. And so I think that's that's absolutely right. There has been a degradation of of moral uh, morality, virtue, ethics. Uh, and I think it it does have a lot to do with manners. It makes me think of Charles Taylor's work, and he talks mm. a lot about the development over the long course of history of of manners, at least in Western culture, and how we all have some similarities there. But uh, it seems that those those values are are crumbling, um, and so yeah, this is something that is a prevalent perennial question uh, that comes up: mm-hmm. How do we use our language? Uh, and so we want to think biblically about this. We want to really look at what the scripture says. Now, it's easy to just turn to several passages, and we will do that. It's That's a good place to start looking at what scripture says. Uh, but the scriptures, uh, I think, give us a very broad um, restriction on obscene language that covers not just words, mm. uh, but really foul language that... That happens in general. And I think one of the points I'll make here is that it doesn't seem to me that the scripture uh, condemns any particular word. It couldn't because that would be an anachronism. The, the foul words we have today in English were not in existence 2,000 sure. years ago at the time of scripture's writing. So it doesn't tell us what words not to say. There's not a list made by scripture. But it gives us really good principles and guidelines for how we should use our mouths and how we should not use our mouths. And one of the, the big things I see is that the scriptures are very concerned about the telos or the aim or the purpose of our words. Uh, it's not so much the words themselves, uh, but it, it is how we use them. That it really, I think, it lands on very heavily. Uh, this isn't to say there is no such thing as obscene language, mm-hmm. because the scriptures actually tell us that there is. We are told, for example, in Colossians chapter 3 and verses 5 through 8, and I'll just read from verse 8. It talks about all these practices of your old self before you've been regenerated in Christ. It says, now you must put all of these away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. 
So we should put away obscene talk, foul language that is uh, offensive uh, to those who are, who are hearing us, to those who are listening to us. Uh, we should be conscious of that and aware of that, and we should avoid those, those words, those, those, those ways of speaking. Uh, we should avoid using our tongue to, to bring people down. Mm-hmm. Uh, other passages from the New Testament include Ephesians 4 and 5, where Paul gives us some more important language here for thinking through this ethical question. He says, for example, in chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This is a big one. This is a very important one for thinking about how we use our language. Paul is concerned here with the purpose of our language. What what are we saying and why are we saying it? Mm-hmm. He wants us to think about language that is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear, not language that will tear down or cut someone down or will curse someone or will uh, be a, us lashing out in expletives at someone, uh, but something that will be constructive to somebody. This is interesting because it allows room, I think, for harsh language. It, al- it allows room for criticism criticism critical language it doesn't allow however a destructive language Mm. paul wants us to give grace to those who hear you think about a coach with a team who's performing badly that coach may need to use strong language that coach may need to create a reaction out of his team but how does he do this does he go about this in a way that belittles or demeans his team that cuts them down that is rude or offensive uh, to them, or is he, or is it going to be strong with them to encourage and inspire them to have them push beyond what they perceive their own limits to be? Uh, that would be an example of giving grace in this situation. Uh, to to lovingly correct mm-hmm. is never to uh, to be. It's not. It's never to be seen as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Paul is is helping us see that the way we use our words is very important. Yeah, it's it's in the ministry of Jesus too. Um, how uh, what did he say that from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks? Yeah, and, absolutely. And so it's so interesting in the Colossians passage that you read that it first lists anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And so the obscene talk is is to me connected to the anger, the wrath, the malice. Obviously, mm. slander is exactly what it is. It's, yeah. it's unsaying untrue things about people to to break them down. Gossip could certainly also mm-hmm. be included in there. Um, as James says, the the tongue is such a, a small part of the body, and yet it, it controls so much around And it can set huge and, fires. Right, and, and it can do so much damage. And so um, that obscene talk in Colossians is connected to the anger that people feel, um, the wrath they feel, the hatred that they um, have in their heart towards other people. And I, th- I think we can see that in our culture, too, that as um, as our as American culture and American society um, moves away from grounding in uh, objective morality mm-hmm. um, standards that are good for people in terms of how a family is meant to be set up, as with a mom and a dad and, and children who respect their parents and so forth. Um, you know, uh, yeah. the the Christian nation debate continues to rage on, but I think that we can definitively <laughs> yeah. say that that there was a time where where there was uh, more of a set standard, mm-hmm. a normative family structure, for example, that was encouraged and and said to be good, and that was a good thing, generally speaking, mm. for people to to think of and to live in and to find security and encouragement in and support. And so, as we move away from that as a culture, there's a lot of anger. Because hmm. people are trying to figure out how to live their lives, and from and they're getting frustrated by things not working out a lot of times, and they don't have a grounding to go and and find the answers that they need because perhaps they're told the Bible isn't helpful; it's just a patriarchal, imperialistic sort of tool for controlling people and so forth. Yeah. And so they're angry; they don't know where to go. And I think that we can see that a lot coming out with with foul language. Yeah, um, so then it's all relative and everything is up for your own Right. And, your and own so judgment. there's just this life of frustration, I guess, is what I'm getting at, that um, that a lot of young people are living in. And 
I think that's what comes out a lot in some mm. of the rants that you would hear somebody doing in public, maybe yeah. somebody on YouTube that you could find who's ranting and raving. Um, I really don't like that term, a Karen, because I know some wonderful <laughs> people named Karen, so I, I don't want to use that term, but but frustrated people out in public. Hmm. And why would somebody act that way? Because they don't have a grounding for how they should live their life, and so they've got to get control of people around them, and hmm. often that comes through the use of foul language and insults and so forth. Yeah, it can become a, a an easy thing. It's it's sort of it's unimaginative, I think, yeah. falling back yeah. on It's a lack on of eloquence, language. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we should try to be maybe not necessarily eloquent mm-hmm. uh, or wordsmithy, but we should be we should seek to be to be pure in yeah. our language and to and to use language that will again be helpful for others. Uh, and be, will be constructive to yeah. them, yeah. and that will be gracious to them. Uh, I don't have it here in our notes, but also in Colossians chapter 4, Paul talks about uh, using language that is seasoned with salt and mm-hmm. always gracious. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is absolutely true. Uh, our language should 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 be like a well-seasoned meal mm. uh, or a well-salted meal where it, it adds that much depth of flavor, uh, and it just makes it that much better. You know, this was an interesting thing that I was thinking about while I was in England because the Brits uh, will often self-deprecate about their ability to flower things up and to be to be very kind mm. and nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. and it, but it's true. There's a there's a certain uh, niceness and in a good way that comes across in their language. They are it's a very gentle culture in that way. Uh, now, there's definitely. Uh, harsh reactions against this. There are some 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 parts of British culture that are violent reactions against the niceness, mm. and so you have some very foul the Brits, of course, accent. just yeah. like any <laughs> any other culture. Uh, but for the most part, British people who are working in service industries, for example, even on the planes that we flew on, are just very kind, mm. noticeably kinder and nicer mm. than than an American person. And there's something to learn from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is a certain uh, just yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when seen properly and when sure. when uh, done with with true care. If you're being fake, obviously that's that's not good. Yeah. Uh, but learning to learning to word things well and to be polite and kind those are not bad things that uh, those are those are good things that i think have fallen on hard times in our our culture where we're all about being totally brutally honest yeah. you be you owning uh, the other just side be yeah. real yeah. be authentic <laughs> if that's really how you're feeling just get it off your chest and say it how you really want it to be said well there's something about being honest like that yes honesty is a good value uh, but maybe we should learn to not feel that way, mm-hmm. uh, and so we should we should, yeah, take every thought captive, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that kindness is a fruit of the spirit, and yeah. Uh, so I I like that description of thinking of a kind person who is serving you at a restaurant or on an airplane, mm-hmm. and hopefully that's not just a part of their job, but but hopefully that would be their character coming through. Um, when I preached through yeah, the fruit exactly. of the spirit um, on the on the virtue of kindness, um, there's a really cool wordplay actually that the apostle Paul is using in Galatians five when he's using that that uh, that list in the fruit of the spirit. The word for kindness is actually a word that would have been used for um, an, a well aged wine, hmm. and and so. Um, I think I remember you. What, you what happens that. when you have a wine that's sharp and too, um, it hasn't been been produced correctly um, or skillfully. Is it's an abrasive taste, and it makes mm-hmm. you sort of pucker pucker up your lips and and get um, not <laughs> yeah. an, it's not an enjoyable drink basically. But but then the the kind wine is actually uh, Paul uses the same term there that Jesus uses for the aged wine. That's hmm. that's a good wine, um, and so that it's would kind be to your mouth <laughs> exactly. It's like a it's an enjoyable experience to drink that that good aged wine that's yeah. that's been expertly prepared, and so kindness relates to that. In that, uh, we should ask when we leave a conversation: Did that person just experience 
hmm. a goodness that that sort of came from within me and was a blessing to them. Yeah. Um, of course, by the working of the Holy Spirit, or was it was my interaction with that person kind of like them drinking a cheap wine that would just kind of make them hmm. uh, wince almost. Yeah. And so the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. It, it's to walk away from a conversation saying, I, I bless that person. And hmm. um, and I think swearing often does the exact opposite of that to, to pull that into the particular topic that we're dealing with here is, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure we've all had those experiences where we are walk away from a conversation where some language that was used that was not just swearing perhaps, but name calling, criticism, um, trying to figure out all sorts of sinister motives of other mm-hmm. people. And you just walk away like, man, I just kind of feel dirty from walking away from that conversation. Um, yeah. I think that's the opposite of what we want to get to with this, this spiritual virtue of kindness with our words. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that is really interesting. Uh, Kindness, yeah, should have that effect. And our words, often they, they just don't have that effect. Uh, if we're using foul and mm-hmm. purposely obscene, obscene language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, this is something that I, I've thought about. Again, this is something I've been asked a lot by students. Uh, I can remember actually my ordination sermon that I was asked to preach mm-hmm. on 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Mm-hmm. Got a good bit of feedback because it was... The, chapter in Corinthians where uh, Paul is talking about uh, eating meat sacrificed to idols and how that was seen as taboo, but Paul is actually saying, you can do this, uh, you can eat it, um, so long as you give thanks to it, and you're not partaking in that particular sin of idolatry, but he re- respects people's consciences, and so uh, he, he gives sort of a a nuanced take on this. Um, it's not just go for it and it's not just, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial passage. Right. Yeah. And so I think that too, I think, and I argue that that I think applies to the use of strong language. Uh, now obscene language and strong language, there's, I think there's a difference between these, uh, obscene language is language that is particularly used to offend, uh, and to uh, shock or hurt uh, someone. Um, and so I made the point that a, a policeman in the line of duty, uh, I'm not, personally, I'm not so worried about if, if they say, oh, I, I won't say it on air, <laughs> but if they, if they say a bad word, I'm not too worried about it, personally. Uh, is it maybe the best use of language? No, we could argue whether or not yeah. something better could be said. Uh, but personally, I don't get too worked up about that sort of thing. You're saying if there's an intense situation. There's an intense and, situation. And like, um, yeah. like, shut the dang, or put down the dang gun. Okay? <laughs> yeah, right. We'll say that. <laughs> sure. uh, I personally am not going to be too too worked up about that. Um, I could see, yeah, that that's a crazy situation. Yeah. There's It gets attention. It gets attention yeah. and it gets the point across. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want to get too worked up on the nitty gritty particulars of can we never use these words or, or whatever. Uh, but I, I do think that there maybe is a time and a place for strong lang- language. That gets into really iffy ground. And this mm-hmm. is really difficult to explain to students who yeah. ask me. Yeah. So generally my, my wisdom to students is don't cuss ever. Just don't. Mm. Um, and then maybe with, once they get older, and if there's any older students listening to this, maybe <laughs> pa- press pause now. But once you get older, once you get become an adult, maybe you can use some wisdom on it. But my encouragement is listen to your parents. Mm-hmm. Your parents say don't cuss. Don't cuss. And you should learn to grow a vocabulary that doesn't include that intentionally foul language. Yeah. Uh, that is a good practice and something that I commend. Uh, just don't cuss. Just don't do it. Yeah. It's it's straightforward. It's clear. That's what I tell kids in our youth group. Uh, and so, yeah, this then leads me, all of this sort of thinking, to questions or not questions but passages in scripture which do seem to commend i wouldn't say obscene language Mm -hmm. but i would say strong language and whether maybe they don't so much commend it but they they use it passages that use strong language can be found in scripture we often do think of the scripture as being 
uh, sort of like little kind of like PG uh, rated, just PG, or yeah, yeah, totally PG. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes even we think of it as being G rated. Yeah, uh, that's not quite the case, and oh. I don't want to make a big deal of and make the scripture out to be dirty or gross yeah. or grotesque or foul. I think some some uh, people have gone so far in that in that regard that I think it's really just untrue and they're just trying to play up how the bible is cool and relevant and, and it baptizes their fallen ba- yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly right uh, and so while i don't want to go so far i do want to be absolutely honest and we should we should take an honest look at what scripture says and how it speaks about various things one example would be song of solomon if you yeah. if you've studied song of solomon you've seen how it clearly expresses sexual language and sexual love between a man and a woman and there's nothing to be ashamed of there. There is language that is quite jaw-dropping. I've heard that ancient Jewish people often wouldn't let their children mm. read it uh, because it was seen as so so clear, so distinctly clear about sexual love. And so yeah, it, that's nothing to be ashamed of. A it's, man and a woman there. complimenting each other's bodies yeah. in very poetic and very specific ways. Yeah. And so I, I think... That, that was something that I had added to our notes here because I think that there's a lot of maybe puritanical and, and using that term maybe more in the negative, almost pejorative sense, sensibilities that are there in evangelical American minds that um, to compliment your uh, my wife's body or for uh, yeah. for her to compliment me in some way is dirty or sinful or wrong or unbiblical and you right. just you just find examples in song of songs where there there's very specific very loving language yeah. and and so it, it's not dirty it's not sinful it's it's a way of a husband showing love to a wife and a wife showing love to her husband so yeah. I, I think when when you actually do read the passages that are in the bible um, it does seem to give some support for strongly affectionate language yeah um yeah and that's not something to be ashamed of or yeah. to or to try to minimize uh, it's something we should have our eyes wide open to there's other passages throughout the old testament in particular where idolatry is compared in very very harsh language mm-hmm. uh to whoring to to harlotry yeah uh, a good example of this would be ezekiel 23 you can go and read it it's very clear he talks talks a lot about whoring and it uses that language again and again and hosea uh, as well yeah yeah hosea is a very clear example his life is a sort of lived prophecy mm-hmm. and in some ways with with his wife who is doing exactly what israel is doing and playing the whore and that is strong language this is maybe even language that maybe we should put a little thing at the beginning yeah. of this episode saying yeah. uh, <laughs> be careful who you're listening to to this episode around sure maybe you don't want kids listening but that is the scripture the scripture uses that kind of strong language jesus himself uh does you might say maybe this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek name calling uh whitewashed tombs he calls the pharisees and the scribes in matthew 23 27 uh which is uh a very strong way of, of talking about their hypocrisy that they appear one way on the outside and are another way on the inside. And so... Yeah, and it doesn't sound maybe so bad in our culture. A whitewashed tomb, does that sound almost <laughs> like a swear word? Well, to them, it would have been so absolutely offensive yeah. for Jesus to talk in that way that it, I think it really fulfills the purpose of, of our use of it um, during this conversation, where Jesus said something that was very shocking um, and used words right. that were very shocking to get the point across that they need to repent and be born again. Yeah, Jesus also says that we should not uh, we should not insult our brothers, insult people. Mm. Uh, and so, how do we balance these two? It sounds like maybe he's insulting. Well, he's not. He's very clearly calling attention to their sin and their lack of repentance. Uh, they, on the case of the Pharisees, he's not insulting them, however. He's not cutting them down. He is trying to sharply rebuke them, and there is a place for that. Mm-hmm. So Matthew five twenty two, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. And so 
he's not rebuking any use of calling somebody a fool. The Proverbs call people fools a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, What he is doing is, I I think, condemning flippant language where we, we, uh, we judge somebody harshly and flippantly, uh, maybe even curse somebody. uh, Just so, again, that would be going along with that idea of our our language. We should be worried about the purpose of our language. We should be concerned about that. Is my language cutting somebody down for the purpose of hurting them, or is it is it constructively bringing them down so that they are humbled and that they may repent? Yeah, and uh, j- just as you're talking, um, raising a lot of good points, I'm I'm thinking about our double ditch illustration that we like to use on on the podcast here and. I think one ditch in terms of our language is um, is that because Jesus used some strong language, and, hmm. and John the Baptist did, and Ezekiel does, and Isaiah does, well then that must mean that I can insult people and call them names. Um, this is and, maybe the Mark Driscoll fallacy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, he... Yeah, like there, there's almost a love that some people have for those really confrontational parts of Scripture, um, and, and so they start to love those things in and of itself instead of loving yeah. that people repent from this yeah. sort of be, uh, behavior that is causing them to die, and that's why Jesus is calling them with strong language to repent, to turn around. And so that, the ditch on one side is to say, because the Bible has some strong language in it, that mm. just means I can just go carte blanche any language that I want. Um, The the ditch on the other side that I think maybe doesn't get enough attention in evangelical context is that because we're supposed to um, remove any obscene talk from our mouths or um, because we're called to love our enemies, for Mm -hmm. example, by Jesus, we should always be nice with our language. And so that ditch is just as um, perilous to fall into as the other one, the, the person who is maybe a more libertine in their language, yeah, um, yeah. that person who is always nice and would never say something that's even constructively critical towards um, a spouse or a child, uh, there maybe one of their own children or somebody that is a friend of theirs that they could say, this is wrong mm-hmm. and it's not good and it's going to lead to suffering in your life. And, and there could be even some very powerful ways that somebody would communicate that for the good of the other person that don't sound very nice. Hmm. I think that's actually one of the big problems that the Christian Reformed Church is wrapped up in right now is, yeah. is the, the cult of nice, um, yeah. that, that the expectation will just be that, well, some people are going to disagree, I guess, with the HSR, and we should just be nice to them. Yep. Well, it's actually the sin that they're encouraging that gets some of the strongest language in the whole Bible. And so it's called an abomination, which is an offensive kind of word. And, um, and along with other sins that are called very serious words, um, that, that we should be not just willing to say, um, or see in writing, um, or or sort of speak in private, but that a a minister should be willing to say from the pulpit Hmm. that this is a sin that leads to death, that, any sin, when not repented of, is yeah. pushing you into misery, and, and the result is hell. And yeah. so that's very strong language, and it doesn't sound very nice, mm-hmm. but um, it's certainly within the realm of, of biblical um, permission to speak in that way. Yeah, I think that that's an area where the church at large could do a lot more thinking, mm. is on that double ditch, um, because, yeah, I, I see it like you said, in our own denomination and then in discussions that take place uh, in various forums, particularly amongst pastors of our denomination, even pastors who disagree on this, there's a lot of, uh, of disagreement over whether or not what something qualifies, what somebody says qualifies as uh, being helpful, offensive, yeah. offensive yeah. Or, or yeah, if it's gracious or if it's not gracious, right, right. Uh, because... Yeah, is calling sin out and is and is using clear language uh, wrong? What even is clear language? The word "clear" is up for debate very much uh, mm-hmm. in, in our in our context these days. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm I'm not so much giving my own like resolution to this issue, but I, I definitely see it as a 
that's something we need to think more about because I think I yeah. think you're absolutely spot on. Our tendency, especially in in the 21st century, uh, is towards just niceness for the sake of niceness, uh, and anything that doesn't smell of niceness in every single way is yeah. seen as then being mean. And there's too much of a dichotomy in thinking here. Yeah, that makes uh, Jesus out to be a sinner. Yeah, yeah, Jesus ca- calling people whitewashed tombs. Well, he's getting really frustrated with the disciples a lot of times too. Yeah, it's like stop true. doubting. Yeah. Like like it's he didn't just suggest that. Like yeah. he, he said you should know this by now. Get it together. Trust yeah. me. Like yeah. several times particularly in the Gospel of Mark. You know. Yeah, and so that kind of language can be seen as too strong and I would say, well, then we need to readjust our understanding of Scripture so that we we see it not as being too strong, but as being spot on. Uh, we should uh, be able to read those parts of Scripture and not be uh, not be wanting to jump to accusations. I think, yeah, uh, because it's not wrong to use that kind of strong language. But again, as you pointed out, Mark, we shouldn't go down the other side and just use all the obscene or foul or offensive strong language we want uh, just because Jesus calls people whitewashed tombs or because he flipped tables thinking we can go around and just be flying off the hinges, off the rails at everything. Well, Jesus did it. Well, actually, no, that's not that's not what happened. Uh, it's really yeah. disingenuous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One other thought that came to mind as we were studying through the scriptures and thinking about this idea of using bad words, uh, we we both zeroed in on two interesting uh, parts of Scripture, one from Ezekiel, one mm-hmm. from Philippians, uh, where this word in different languages would have been Hebrew and Ezekiel, and it would have been Greek for Philippians. Uh, but the word that is used is this word dung. Uh, mm-hmm. That's like the nicest possible way of putting it in our <laughs> culture today, right? Dung, yeah. Yeah, so... Fecal matter. <laughs> fecal matter, <laughs> yeah. excrement, those could yeah. be all the, uh, the yeah. nice uh, The technical. nicest possible way of saying it. Yeah. Dung is probably a good take. As I was thinking about this passage from Philippians 3, and I'll read the verse, it's verse 8, Paul says this, and this will sound familiar, I'm sure, to many of our listeners... Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, that's the ESV, I think. Uh, Other translations in the English language will use the word dung, uh, which is getting across that sort of fecal matter idea. Uh, We can use the word, I guess. Poop is the word, yes. And so there's actually a good bit of debate on this passage. I'm not sure about the the passage from Ezekiel chapter 4, uh, but there is a good bit of scholarly debate. And I came across an article as we were preparing for this episode uh, from Bill Mounts, who's kind of uh, a leading evangelical leader or thought yeah, he thinker, wrote the book on Greek. In, on Greek. He's yep. kind of the, the Greek guru yeah. of the evangelical world, the English-speaking world. And it's a, I don't know, maybe a thousand page little essay he wrote. I think it was on Bible.org. And he essentially lands, after working through all the different possibilities of what this word, the word in Greek is scubula, Mm -hmm. uh, what this word could possibly mean. He lands on saying it's probably somewhere between uh, the C word and the S word. Uh, mm. So it's probably not quite fully the S word that, mm-hmm. that we have in the English language, uh, but it's a little bit more strong than the C word. But he also points out that it actually was used by uh, other scholars and philosophers in ways that weren't necessarily taboo. Uh, and so, but it was strong language. Yeah. And so it wasn't a, a, a cuss word in the way that we think of it, he argues. Uh, but that it was intentionally strong language. He also mm-hmm. points out that the ESV's reading of it, where it says rubbish, is probably wrong. It's not just rubbish like trash, but it's it's the bad part of the trash. It's the bad part yeah. of the trash. It's <laughs> yeah. it's so it, rubbish communicates worthlessness. He argues that this word scubula, uh, in in the context here in chapter three of Philippians, it communicates. Paul trying to communicate not only worthlessness, but something that gives him revulsion. Yeah, offense. Uh, yeah. Offense. Yeah. And he's kind of sickened by it. And so his former life, his life prior to knowing Christ, his life as a devout 
Jewish man training for to be a Pharisee and being a Pharisee, uh, he he looks back on with a sort of disgust, not just as it's worthless, but he's disgusted by it. And so to use or to to communicate that, he uses this word dung or feces. Yeah. Uh, and so whether or not it's a cuss word, which I'm not convinced that it is, I think Mounts makes a good argument. I think it's interesting nonetheless that he is using a very strong and you might even say gross word. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly your, your your the cleanest way he could have put this. Uh, it's intentionally again strong language, yeah, but it's he's like communicating worse than garbage, right? Like gar- garbage is just a word you use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worse garbage than that. isn't. Yeah. That's just worthless. That communicates sure. worthlessness, whereas this idea of fecal matter communicates a grossness. And so the Bible is not f- afraid of using gross words, mm-hmm. words that, that depict something gross, and it, it is trying to get a point across here. This is, for, again, from the same man who writes that we should not use obscene language uh, mm-hmm. or even coarse joking. Uh, mm-hmm. He points out in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. And so... Yeah, holding all of this intention yeah. is really is really helpful, but really good in seeing uh, how you language can and even should be used. I think this is a good model of of language. It's okay to say something in my former life is as good as crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I like I really like the point you made earlier too about um, how certain words as you become more mature can be used properly. And so like an example that I would have of that is just saying the word sex or saying the yeah. word hell, right? So as a child, I was very much taught almost a superstitious view. Exactly. As yeah. though to say sex, the S word was yeah. to, to was to sin, was to say yep. a bad word. Yep. And um, I thought hell was always bad. Right. Not just used it as a question, what the... Sure. To to say it in any context yeah. almost was bad, and I, whenever I hear the preacher say it, I I'd get it's, shocked by yeah, it. Yeah, or damn, right? <laughs> yeah. And so um, to to use the word yeah. damn that as though God damns some people to hell. That is a biblical statement that is that would be supported in. I, I would say. Um, to be careful about yeah. over, like we would certainly never want to overuse that kind of language, but right. but actually they're powerful words that that teach us about the misery of of hell, damnation, and so forth. I'm a, yeah. a scubula sort of life that uh, that Zach was just referring to. That's that's uh, from Philippians chapter three. All of these words. Um, make us realize the seriousness of and consequences of sin. And so um, I, I, I guess that's my last point that I want to make in this episode mm-hmm. is that I also want to teach my kids that, that for example, using words that are anatomical words of their body or mm-hmm. the wor- a word like sex or a word like hell actually does have a time and a place that that is permissible yeah um does that now that doesn't mean they should just be talking about those things all the time but that that there is a time and a place that that it is okay um to say those things and so i guess we want to steer people away from the superstitious belief that uh it's almost like certain words like voldemort right in and of itself has this power the the name that should not be mentioned um and, uh, and and so that it really isn't the case for the Christian, um, but that there would be, um, yeah, a, a time and a place for, for saying words that uh, maybe a child shouldn't be using in the regular vocabulary, but an adult can can use with some wisdom. And there's no problem in not using any of these words. Right. <laughs> that too. absolutely yeah. clear. Yeah, to be careful. If you see that you want to make the decision to never use these words, good. that's good. That's a good thing. And that as is long as you're not commend. afraid of them, like I would say a word like sex yeah. or a word like hell, yeah. I think that there's actually a lot of fear of those ideas and things and words yeah. um, that's that's promoted in some over, over care or, or like a, yep. um, overly uh, censorious attitude yeah. towards those words. I, I would say those are words. A husband and wife should say the word sex every once in a while because you should be talking about your own sexual life with one another yeah um and so to to feel that that's dirty in and of itself to talk about those things Mm -hmm. is i would i really want to caution people against yeah that is a tendency i think of 
of certain circles within the evangelical world, it's to almost in, air into that superstitious sort of view. It kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of the movie A Christmas Story where he <laughs> yeah. talks about cuss words and his dad's cussing and how uh, he let, there was a certain scene where he lets a bad word slip out of his mouth in front of his dad. And he does, I don't think that the movie they actually, never say it. they don't say it in no, the movie, but he describes it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like I've let this bad, this, I mean, it is a bad word. Um, at least His that's the implication. mom when she yeah. hears it, yeah. But it's, yeah, I think it's almost a superstitious view. The S missile or, you yeah. know, the B word. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, those are words that, yeah, aren't aren't good words. But, yeah, to have that superstitious view uh, is is not good. However, mm-hmm. with with children, we should we should be absolutely clear. Do not use those words. I'm thankful to my mother, who growing up I always thought you know as an eight year old that like oh mom come on stop you got to stop this. But whenever we'd watch a movie, even if mm-hmm. it was PG and there was the word damn in it, yeah, she would pause the movie. She'd get up in front of the TV and she'd say, "Now kids, we do not say that word." Yeah, uh, and maybe that cr- that created a bit of a superstitious view of these words, as if the very utterance of them made the universe flip upside down and everything was going to go dark and bleak. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was good in learning those black and white mm-hmm. do's and don'ts. Uh, I think with, with black and white do's and don'ts, as we age and mature, uh, we we can think for ourselves. Uh, but again, I think thinking through all of the complex things that we've talked about even here in this episode, we should be careful in how we use our words. Yeah. What is the point? What is the point of our words? James 3 is a very strongly worded section of wisdom from from James where he talks about our tongue. We've already mentioned it here, uh, but we should keep that in mind. Our tongue is set on fire by hell, he says. That's, mm. that's really strong language. Yeah. Uh, and we should be careful how we use it to not burn things down. Uh, he ends that section uh, making some really good points he says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Mm. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Mm-hmm. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a, fig, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And so we need to be using our mouth for blessing, for building others up, not for cursing, for tearing each one another down, uh, or for for intentionally hurting or shocking yeah. or trying to draw attention to ourselves and our own uh, coolness or our own strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to be using our, our speech in the same, much the same way that we use our dress to draw attention to Christ, mm-hmm. to be modest and to be clear and point everyone towards him. Yeah. Away from ourselves. Yeah. Great points, Zach. Well, thanks everyone for listening and uh we we are going to resume our weekly production here of podcasts and so um, hopefully you have subscribed and get alerts when when we do release a new episode Um, but thank you for listening this week and we'll catch you next week all right thank you guys grace and peace